Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. guys. Let's jump in. John chapter one. Um, We are wrapping up, closing out our series called Face to Face Encounters with God. And we're looking at how God wants to interact with us, um, not just on a Sunday morning, but he wants us to encounter him in every area of our life. And we've taken a look at some, some folks in the Old Testament who had supernatural, incredible encounters with God that completely shifted. You can take that point down. It's up there. It's not, don't let him know it yet. I'm not there, right? Um, he, he does want to encounter us. You can go ahead and write that down. Um, but we looked at Moses' last beginning of the series where he encountered God um, in a burning bush and that it was just an ordinary day, but God entered his world in an extraordinary way. But even beyond just these grandiose um, encounters with God, Moses desired God's presence um, above God's blessing of the land that he had in store for them. And so God got mad at you know his people and said, Moses, you go ahead, I'm not going with you. And Moses says, don't send us if you don't go. And he made this statement, he says, it's your presence with us that separates us from all the other nations. And church, listen to us, there are a lot of great organizations in this community. There are a lot of great organizations in the world that are doing great things, but it is God's presence with us that separates us from everything and everyone else. And it's walking in his presence that makes the hugest difference. Second week, we looked at Jacob, who, you know, was a deceiver the majority of his life, seeking affirmation from everyone around him. But God wanted to affirm who he was and who he had created him to be and changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so when we encounter God, he just doesn't change our lives but he changes the lives of the generations coming after us. And then last week we looked at Gideon who didn't see himself as a warrior, but God saw him as a warrior and that you and I, when we have encounters with God, it brings us to a place that we can see the us that God wants to use when we listen to him, right? And so today I wanna bring us to a place of not just looking at Old Testament stories and saying, well, that's what God did then because Gideon said that to God. Right when, when, when the angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon, Gideon made this statement. He says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Talking about the oppression that they were under. And then he says, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? How many of you guys have heard people talk about experiences with God and you say, where is that in my life? Right, And so sometimes we can read scripture and we can hear other stories and we think, well, that's for them, that was for then, but it's not for me now. But God wants to, you can put this on the screen now, God wants us to encounter him. He wants us to encounter him. He's not just this God that is, that is sitting separate from us, from all of creation. 
And John actually tells us this. When we read the um, gospel of John, the first three gospels are what's called synoptic gospels. They pretty much say the same thing. But then John comes along and he writes his gospel from the perspective of the deity of who Jesus is. And he starts out his book just as the very first book in the Bible starts out is in the beginning. And so John is is setting a new beginning from what he has experienced from walking with Jesus. And so he says this, he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. But then we go down to verse 10 and he says this, he being Jesus came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. It says he came to his own people and even they rejected him, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or human plan, but a birth that comes from God. Verse 14, and I love this, says, so the word became human. Some translations say the word became flesh and made his home among us, dwelt among us. The message paraphrase says that, that he moved into the neighborhood. So Jesus being the word, being God, became flesh, became human, and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And then skip down to verse 18. It says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. And so you look, God who created everything, stepped into creation, put on flesh through Jesus so that he could encounter his creation, not stay separate from it, but move into it and be with it, be with us, be with them, moving and interacting with them to show the way of life. And it says that those, if no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God. And so I don't like, I struggle with English. And so to do Greek or Hebrew at times is is even a little harder for me. Like to like, I have a hard time pronouncing English words, let alone Greek words, right? But this word unique is actually the Greek word um, monogenous. Maybe that's right. (laughs) Which means the only representative of its kind It's one of a kind. Let's go back to the Old Testament. The Lord your God is what? One. That there is no other. So Jesus is the unique one. He is the only representative. He is the only one that is interacting and encountering with his creation. There's this awesome encounter in the New Testament that we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus goes to the top of this mountain shortly after Peter has declared who Jesus is. Jesus says that you are, you know, the son of God, that you are the Messiah. And then there's some ministry that happens and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the top and, you know, he's praying. And while he's praying, it says that that he is transfigured and his face begins to glow and his clothing is bleached white, unlike anything they've ever seen. And it says that Moses and Elijah come and begin to speak with Jesus there. 
And Peter, James, and John have this incredible encounter with God in Jesus completely glorified. And there's like, look, let us stay here and we'll build three memorials, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. And that's when God's voice speaks from heaven and God says, this is my son who I am well pleased. And, and just reading a couple of like commentaries on it, it's almost like a correction to Peter, um, because in one sense, they were putting Jesus on the same plane as Moses and Elijah. It's like, we'll just build a memorial to all of you and stay up here. And God's like, no, Jesus is mine. And so they had this incredible encounter. So the disciples got to walk and interact with their creator through Jesus in flesh. And you and I, we get to interact and have encounters with our heavenly father through his Holy Spirit. And, and I don't want you just to be reading stories of God encounters or hearing my stories or someone else's, but I want you to have your own encounter. I want us to walk in his presence daily. But then there also should be moments that we point to in our relationship with Christ that we can say, I met God here, like in a way that, that is different, in a way that is new, that we don't just keep to ourselves, but we share with other people where we know God spoke, where we know God directed, and we know that God orchestrated. And, and there's some promises of encounters with him in his word. And we're going to look as, you know, it's like every time I thought the list was finished, I was like, nope, I know I've met God here. And God promises to meet us here. So there are these promises of encounter that you and I get to experience when we hold to these promises through disciplines and, and through commitment and consistency. And the first one is this, is there's promises of encounters in his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was we want to encounter God, the first place we should go to is the word of, because it is his very word. And some people, not you guys, but some people debate, why would I believe? Like, like the Bible is just a bunch of stories and rules written by men. Yes, it was written by men, but it was inspired by God. How many of us believe stuff on social media and the news that was written by men, but inspired by men, just saying, right? And we expect to, to encounter God there, but we need to go to the word of God to encounter God because it's his word. And I, you know, if you've been coming here, you've heard me say this, like, have I ever heard God speak audibly? No, but I have read the word out loud, I'm reading the word out loud. I'm hearing God's word audibly, right? Every Sunday when you come to church and you hear the word of God read out loud, you're hearing God's word audibly, right? And every Sunday I pray this, and I used to pray it when I was a youth pastor. And then when we started the church, and even the church I was a part of, is kind of a cool thing to do a sermon bumper. And really a sermon bumper is just a transition point so the band can get off the stage without you noticing, um, and the pastor can come up on stage, so it's not awkward. But we shifted up several months ago to where we transitioned. And when I was a youth pastor, I would always pray Hebrews 4.12 before I would go to, to, to preach. And you guys might even know that's what I'm praying. But when I come up and I'm praying that, that the word of God is alive and active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. That's the word of God that I'm using to prepare our hearts for the word of God, Right? 
And so I'm praying that over us because I believe that we encounter God when we encounter his word. And, and it even says this in John 15 when, when Jesus is kind of in his last discourse and conversation with his disciples and he's talking through about, he's saying these things. He says, remain in me. Some translations say abide. That just means to stay in, to rest in, to be in, to be found in me. And he says, when you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. So as we're reading the word of God, it is becoming a part of us and it is taking root in our lives and we experience God through that. Look at your neighbor and say, in word, in word, we experience God's presence in word. Um, in worship, we experience um, God promises encounters in worship. Jesus has this conversation in John chapter four with a Samaritan woman and they meet at the well and they're having this conversation about who she is and she gets a little uncomfortable and tries to change it to a religious topic which makes it even more uncomfortable for her. And she didn't realize it. Like, have you ever been in those situations and somebody's like tries to start talking to religious stuff and then you realize they don't really know what they're talking about and you try to be kind. And Jesus is so kind in this moment. And he says, you know, look, it doesn't matter if you worship on this hill or that hill. And he says this, he says, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. It says the father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That is with the truth of who he is. But then I will also say this, like, like with the spirit of how he created us. And so it's okay to like get emotional when we worship. It's okay to be excited when we worship. It's okay to allow like cleansing tears from time to time to come forth as we worship because that is the spirit of God working in and through us. It's okay to, to lift your hands. Look, I was Baptist too. It started like here, right? And now, now if you watch me over here, I'm like rock fisted. And so like I'm free in the spirit, right? Because we're the spirit of the Lord. There is freedom, right? And so we worship in that way. And a, a scripture that I will say a lot is, is found in Psalms 22. It says, yet you are holy. It says, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And, and we kind of paraphrase that. And that, that he is enthroned on the praises of his people because Israel is God's people, right? You and I have been grafted into that. We are his people. And, and so that he is enthroned on, which means he sits in, he finds refuge in, honestly, when you look at the definition, he finds refuge in our praises. And not just on Sunday morning. Like one of the most memorable moments that, that, I, that I have of worshiping God by myself. I was a senior in high school um, and it was back when third day was first like coming out. Do you guys like, like where's all my, my exers at, right? Third day, it was just like a little bit of like Pearl Jam, a little bit of Black Crows, right? So you guys don't even know that I know this, right? And so they, they had just came out with their first album and they had this song on there called Love Song from a Savior, 
And he was talking about, I've never heard a man that would swim the ocean, but he says, I've walked on water for you. I've never known a man that would climb the highest mountain, but I climbed a hill for you. And I remember being a senior in high school and, and just decide, like, I, I heard the album in Journeys. And I was like, is this a new Pearl Jam? And he's like, no, it's third day. You got to check it out. So I went to Limstone. Come on, somebody. And I bought the CD at Limstone. And, and I'm sitting in my bedroom studying. And this song comes on. And I just remember the presence of God just coming over me in that moment, sitting in my little red folding chair as a senior of high school and just had to stop because I found myself worshiping and nobody else was around. And I was still kind of Baptist then, y'all. Like, like this was a new experience for me. And so I don't want you to think that the only time you can experience God in worship is on a Sunday morning. I loved when we were at motion with our teenagers. 12,500 teenagers worshiping. Man, that's easy to get involved there, right? But it's even greater when we come together and it's just a few of us or even one of us. And it's not that, that, that he's waiting on us, but what happens is I believe his heart is drawn to our worship, but our spirits are also awakened to him in worship. And so we encounter his presence in worship. We encounter his presence in prayer. Um, and again, like, some, like these first three things, you're like, I know this, Stephen. Well, then, all right, you should be doing this, right? We should be encountering God in prayer. It says, Jesus often withdrew to isolated places to pray. And, and that's the only thing, prayer is the only thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do. He didn't have a master class on preaching, right? He didn't have a master class on healing or raising people from the dead. They didn't ask to do any of that. They just said, we see how you pray and it's different. Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus in, 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 in Matthew chapter six teaches the disciples how to pray. But the one thing he says, he says, don't do it out on the street corner where everybody can hear you and see you and you look all fancy and you know, you're babbling on and on. He says this, he says, no, go into your closet and shut the door in private so that your father in heaven sees you. And so maybe some of us, honestly, we're not encountering God because our prayer life isn't where it should be. And I get like kids and work and commute and like car pickup and like just like all that. If you're sitting in the car like me waiting for an hour and 10 minutes to pick up your kids from two schools, perfect time to pray, right? No distraction. You probably really need to be praying like early on just to, just to keep your sanity, right? But, but where can you get away like, and I, I think I've told this story, but I remember being in college and I met this friend named Sam and he was, he was a, you know, an ex gang member from California was in the army and was going to Austin P. And I remember sharing with him a story of not long after I was learning about prayer, my basement had a closet where we kept all of our winter clothes. And for like a week or two, I just had this drawing. I was like, I need to go in there and pray because I had read this. And Jesus says, go into your closet and pray. I couldn't fit into my closet in my room because it was one of those like double doors. It was just real. But this was a massive walk-in closet. And I kept thinking, I need to go in there and pray. But I was like, that just seems weird. And so I never did it because it seemed weird. And I remember telling my friend Sam this. And he told me, he's like, man, what if you could have encountered God there? And I was like, crap. 
<laughs> right? But I'm glad we serve a God that is good, right? And we miss opportunities and he makes it up for us. And so when you have a drawing and a sensing to pray, that's probably God wanting to encounter you in your day. So we encounter God in his word and worship and prayer. And these last three or four uh, may be different, but we also encounter him in obedience, we encounter him in obedience. John chapter 14, Jesus says this again. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And the last part of this, verse 21 says, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Matthew 18, 20 and 21 says that when we are obedient, following his commands, that he will love us, but that he will also reveal himself to us in that moment of obedience. Now it's also in like, we know sin, black and white, right and wrong. We're to walk in discipline, we're to walk in those things, but but. I believe we also encounter God when we walk in obedience in things that are outside of our comfort zone, in things that are difficult, in things that maybe even are a little awkward or a little weird. When I was working at FedEx before we launched, um, I didn't tell anybody I was a pastor. Um, only, like, like partly because when you're a pastor and somebody finds out you're a pastor, they immediately start talking in old English and quoting scripture that they have no idea. And it's like, it's, it's all messed up. So I just didn't tell people because I wanted them to feel like they could be real around me, right? I didn't want them to put on a front. I didn't want to feel like I had to put on a front, right? That if I messed up, you know, I wanted to be able to be frustrated, right? Without having them say, oh, pastor's messing up. Like, I didn't want that. So for like forever, I didn't tell anybody I was a pastor starting a church. I just went and worked and I did good work and I treated people kindly. And then there was once, like, like one day before I went in, I just really sensed the Lord telling me I needed to tell this one girl, her name was Caitlin, that I was a pastor. I'd worked with her and someone else in, in one of the trailers, loading the trailer several times, and we'd kind of built a little bit of a relationship with, with, with her and some of the other guys there. And I really just sensed like I was supposed to tell her I was a pastor. It's like, all right, show's over, folks, <laughs> right? I can't hide it anymore. And so, so I was like, how do I go into that? Because it's awkward when you walk up and say, hi, I'm Steven, I'm a pastor. Can I be your pastor? Like that just doesn't, people shut down. It's like, how do I tell this? And so I just started asking questions about her, what she wanted to do, and found out she was an education major. I was an elementary education major. And she was like, oh, have you ever taught? And I was like, no, I never taught. And I said, but I did, you know, I, I kind of worked with young people, just trying to tiptoe into these waters, right? <laughs> I worked with young people for several years, and she was like, like counseling? And I was like, no. Um, I was a youth pastor for a while. Didn't tell her I I am a pastor. I said, I was a youth pastor for a while. You know, and, she's, and, and, and I said, you know, I did that for a while. And she said, well, are you still doing that? I was like, no, actually, I, I moved here to start a church. Okay, that feels good. I got it out, like, like I'm a pastor. And so she said, well, where did you move from? And I said, Jackson. And she said, oh, really? My grandmother lives in Jackson. And I said, really? She said, what church? 
did you work at in Jackson? And I said, Love and Truth Church in Jackson. Guess what she said? Oh, really? My grandmother goes to that church. And I was like, wow. And I said, okay. I said, really? What's your, what's your grandmother's name? And she told me her grandmother's name. It's Miss Helen. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> She's one of my small group leaders. I've got her number in my phone. And then it hit me. I was like, wait, because Miss Helen, for about three years, anytime we would have uh, like a ministry time, she would come and she would come and ask my wife and I to pray for her daughter who had a brain tumor. That was Caitlin's mom. And so for three years, I'd been praying for her mom. God knew that I would meet her in a trailer at FedEx loading boxes. God had prompted me that day, tell her you're a pastor. Why am I gotta tell her I'm a pastor? Guys, that didn't just build her faith, that built my faith, like all the way in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And she since moved to Memphis because she has a twin sister that moved to Memphis and so she moved there. But, but God met me there in a moment of obedience and just didn't meet me there, but met her there as well. And so don't miss an opportunity for you to encounter God or someone else to encounter God through you because of your obedience. Because when we're obedient to his word, he will reveal himself to us. We encounter God in obedience. We encounter God in community. And this is a big one for us here at Avenue Church. It's one of our values that we grow stronger in community. But Jesus makes this statement. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, guess where he is? He's there in their midst. He's there in our midst. You don't have to have 100 people in a room. You don't have to have 12,500 teenagers in a room. You just have to have two or three that come together in his name. And he's there. Acts chapter 2, right after the Holy Spirit falls and, and, and the church is starting and Peter preaches the message and thousands are added to the church and it says that they formed a community and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, but then they also devoted themselves to each other. And as they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to sharing of meals, to building community, it says that, that a great sense of awe fell on them, on the church, on them, because there were many miraculous things that happened that God encountered them there. And so my encouragement to you, like if Avenue Church is your home church, get in, get on a team, get in a small group so that you can be a part of community and encounter God there. If you're just checking us out today, I'm glad, but get to a church and get plugged in and get rooted and get in community so that you can encounter God in that community. Because what happens when you're in that community, you're, hopefully you're talking about what God is doing in your life. And he is glorified and magnified. And, 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 and we're asking for help in our struggle. So it's not just our strength, but it's, it's the community's strength and God's strength in us. And he is magnified and we encounter God in community. We encounter God in discipleship. It's like, Really? How? Jesus makes this statement. We encounter God in discipleship. The last thing he says in Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world and baptizing in my name, making disciples, right? 
But then what does he say right after that? He says, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even until the ends of the age. See guys, when we're making disciples through small groups in community, coming together on Sunday mornings, his promise is that while we are making disciples, while we are evangelizing, while we are discipling, while we are baptizing, he is there with us. And we encounter God in those conversation moments, in those Bible studies, in those direct, like directing, correcting conversations, because that is part of discipleship. You know that, right? It's like when we see someone that's, that, that's out of step with the word of God and out of step, out of character, like, and we have those hard conversations, that's a part of discipleship. I don't enjoy it, but even I get that at times too as a pastor, right? But God's presence is there and we encounter his truth there, but done in the right way, we encounter his grace there and his love there. His presence is encountered in discipleship. Couple more, you guys with me? You still good? All right. And this is one we all struggle with. We encounter God in rest, right? I preached a series last semester or last summer on Sabbath. I have to be honest with you. I don't do a good job at practicing what I preach when it comes to rest, <laughs> right? That is the 10 commandment that everyone breaks more times than what we like to admit. And we miss encountering God because we fail to slow down. We don't, we don't see him moving because we're moving past him in all honesty. And Jesus says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you what? Those of you who know it, rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and a gentle heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Many times, guys, we miss God, not because he's hiding, but because we won't slow down enough to see him right there in front of us. From the very beginning, like God instituted a Sabbath before he had a holy people or had a holy place. He had a holy day that was a day of rest that we could reflect on his goodness and meet him there. And the last thing is this, guys. And this is just, all of this summed up into one. We encounter God in life. We encounter God in life. And in all reality, like Jesus says, those with ears, let them hear. We have to open our eyes, open our ears to God moving around us because he's, he's involved in the details. He's involved in the details. So why not meet him there, Right? And like he even says this, he says this in Matthew chapter six. He says, look at the birds in the sky, the sparrows. They don't worry about anything, but God takes care of all of their details. He says, look at the flowers of the field. They're better dressed than even Solomon himself. They're not worrying about what to wear this morning. Anybody else worry about what to wear this morning, right? right? I was ironing my clothes so that I'm not all wrinkled, right? We worry about that. But God's in to the details and he wants to meet us in the details. Now we think it's just in the big moments. Man, I'll, 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 I'll truth, like I've had more sweeter moments and encounters with God in the quiet moments than I have in the big moments because he's there. I read this quote, his 
by a guy, author, his name's Craig Barnes. He's, he's like the president of uh, Princeton Seminary. Um, and he says this, he says, we have classes to attend. We have sales to make, reports to write, floors to clean, clothes to fold, dishes to wash, children to tend to, planes to catch, and one more customer to satisfy. If all of that is just stuff we've got to do, then we live a very profane life, very empty life. But he says this, but if we are looking for God's presence in the midst of it, then all of life becomes an encounter with the sacred. If we're doing all these mundane details with our eyes open looking for God, with our ears open listening for God, with our hearts open seeking God, then it's not just mundane details. It's an opportunity to encounter the sacred in those details. Now, I'm not telling you to go out of here and become a monk, right? That's not, but, but I want you to go out and invite God into your life, not just from a salvation point, but for those of us who have already crossed that line, that we invite God to walk with us. And when we invite God into our life, it's not because he needs an invitation. He gave us life. It's like Bill Cosby, I brought you into this world. I can take you out, right? He brought us into this world. He doesn't need an invitation because he's given us life. But what this invitation does is it opens our eyes and it unlocks our hearts and it opens our hands to be able to see him. It's for us. And so I don't want us just to, to, to read, you know, these encounters of God in scripture and say that was for then and be like Gideon, where's all the miracles for today? But let's come to a place to where we wake up in the morning and we invite God into our day. I love how Jonathan and Aaron tell this to our worship team all the time. Let's just invite God. And it's not as like, he's like, okay, since you invited me, I'm coming down. No, it's like, let's open our eyes and unlock our heart so that we, like it's let us let him in. As he says, I stand at the door and I knock. He's wanting to come in. He's wanting to encounter. It says that, that he became flesh and moved into our neighborhood to encounter us. So I, I want us to walk looking for encounters. Being obedient to that prompting of the Holy Spirit when God calls us to somewhere, something, someone. Because it could be an opportunity for you to encounter God there could be an opportunity for you to see God there, to hear God there. And he's waiting on us. Like Jeremiah says this, and I quote this a lot in 29, 13, he says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And that's what I want us to be as a people who are seeking him with all of our heart. But if you're here today, guys, and you don't have a relationship with Christ, that is the first encounter that you need to have. And for everyone, it looks different. It comes at a different season. It comes at a different place. It comes at a different circumstances. But most of the time, it comes to the point where we realize that everything that we're doing on our own is not working. And we're, we're tired. We're empty. We're anxious. We're heavy burdened. And he's saying, come to me and give me those things, and I will give you rest. And that rest that he's talking about is not just, oh, that's better. That rest he's talking about is salvation and freedom. That is the rest that he's talking about. And with every head bowed and eye closed, we do this every single week and just...
because I don't want to miss an opportunity for someone to have their first encounter, life-transforming encounter with the one who created them, with the one who gave their life for them, with the one who stepped into creation for you. It may be something you've experienced today, maybe something you've heard today. There's this like churning on the inside of you. There's this um, drawing on the inside of you that you can't explain. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you to the one who created you. And if that's you and you're here today and you just sense that, take a step of obedience and say yes to Jesus and accepting the sacrifice that he's made for you. And so I want to invite you to do this. If, you, if that's you, I know this is a churchy thing, but it lets me know who I need to pray for. Would you just lift your hand and acknowledging that my way is not working and I need a fresh encounter with God. I need a new encounter with God. I need to give my life to Jesus. Awesome. Look up here at me, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and... I want you to pray in your words, your conversation with God, not mine. And a lot of times that conversation just simply starts with Jesus, I give you my life. That's acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior. That's acknowledging the work that he's done for you. It's a moment of surrender. It's belief in your heart and confession with your mouth. And scripture says that that when that happens, that we are saved that all of us who do that, not just some, not just a few, not just the frozen chosen, but anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it starts with simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I trust you to be my savior. And then for the rest of us, I'm gonna pray that we would open our eyes and ears to experience God in new ways. Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you this morning and I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. God, that you are always moving, that you are always at work and active in our lives. And God, there may be some of us in here um, that it's been a while since we've encountered you. Maybe we're going through the routine of, of prayer and Bible reading and we're not encountering you there like we want to. God, I pray that we do not grow weary in well-doing, but we stay consistent in those things. But then we also walk in obedience and we also spend time in worship and we also find someone that we can disciple, God, that we also invite you into our lives so that we can encounter you. And God, for those that lifted their hands that need an encounter with you for the first time as their Lord and Savior, or maybe they're coming back to you. God, the guilt and shame that brought them here will not keep them here, but you are exchanging that for your grace, for your peace, for your righteousness. As they declare you their Lord, as they declare you their Savior. So God, wrap your arms around them. God, give them confirmation of who they are in you, not who the world says that they are. But God, let us walk in obedience in all things. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name.